Hey, everybody, it's time for a bonus. We're doing the bonus? Don't, uh, we are doing bonus. That's not how we intro the bonus, is it? Uh, okay, try again. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome. Welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hey, everybody. (laughs) It's time for a bonus. Take two. Okay. I call dibs on going first. Nope. Yes. I can't allow that. You but got, I already you've did gone, it. You've gone first the past couple of times. Let's let's get no. I went last time. last time. I can't allow that. Are you doing like the history of pride? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, woman! If you start encroaching on my territory, I'm going to <laughs> that topic. Just do what my very strict Christian parents did when bad words came on the TV. Instead of actually turning the TV off, just yell bad words until your kids know exactly what the bad words are. If you start encroaching on the topic I picked when you're going through your pride history, I'm going to yell bad word and you're going to have to move on to the next topic or next point. Let's maybe pick a different word other than bad word when we're talking about LGBTQ subjects. So, Tiffany, what safe word do you want? Why are you acting like that's the most important question I've ever asked you? Well, she's thinking of her safe word. Uh, In case you were wondering, we're talking about pride this month. (laughs) Woot, 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 woot. And our Sage and Tales episode this month is also going to be next Pride. Month. Well, coming out beginning of next month. But Ish. anyway, our yeah. next Sage Depending and on when episode. it actually gets edited. Don't call me out on my stuff. It's fine. I didn't say anything. Pride! <laughs> so what's your safe word, Tiffany? Let's go with strawberries. Strawberry fields forever. Because we've got a nice, beautiful pixie friend whose safe word is strawberries, and it makes me think of her. Okay. Fair enough. I know things now. <laughs> Might have something to do with her husband's allergies or dislike of a certain Oh, Ashley! What's up? Please talk. Pride. (laughs) By definition, is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. The achievements of those with whom one is closely associated or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Or a family of lions. Please tell me you're doing your entire month of Sage and Tales <laughs> based on family of lions. <laughs> Strawberries. <laughs> it can also mean consciousness of one's dignity. What's that? Pride. <laughs> or dignity. Are you asking what dignity is? Yes. I don't know. We're not talking about dignity this month. Hello. Stay tuned for next month. Hello and welcome. <laughs> so. Pride is rooted in the dark history of minority groups who have struggled for decades to overcome prejudice and be accepted for who they are. The original organizers chose the month of June to pay homage to the Stonewall Uprising in June of 1969 in New York City, which helped spark the modern gay rights movement. Pride events are geared towards all members of the LGBTQIA community or anyone who feels like their sexual identity falls outside the mainstream although many straight and cisgender people or allies join in too. LGBTQ is a acronym meaning lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. This term is sometimes extended to LGBTQIA to include intersex and asexual groups. 
Queer is an umbrella term for non-straight people. Intersex refers to those whose sex is not clearly defined because of genetic, hormonal, or biological differences. Whenever I did my topic on, um, well, shoot, now I can't think of what it's called. The the kids Pool that float? were born, yeah, the kids that Pool were float born. anatomy. Yeah, the kids <laughs> that were born that looked female but grew penises at puberty. Is that huevos doches or is that? something yes. completely different i okay. think that's what it was good job look at um, your memory i had a brief moment of like is that what we talked about or something you order at a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> i might have i might Way be thinking yeah, that's what i'm thinking of <laughs> fun fact about that episode i had a friend of the show reach out and tell us tell me that um they used information they learned in that episode when giving a presentation on trans life at their work at a government facility oh god we're being wow. used as a reference i know i was like oh, oh god oh, oh disclaimer please do not use us for geography <laughs> please <laughs> i think we finally figured out where sweden and switzerland are it's the toss-up did we <laughs> they're in your 50 shot that's as far as I'm going. They are European places. Okay. So back to my notes here. I don't know exactly where I left off. Queer is an umbrella term for non-straight people and intersex refers to those whose sex is not clearly defined because of genetic, hormonal, or biological differences. Asexual describes those who do not experience sexual attraction. Obviously, this is all a spectrum. So those are just broad explanations. These terms may also include gender fluid people or those whose gender identity shifts over time depending on their situation. So, like we said, it started because of the Stonewall Raids. In the early hours of June 28, 1969, police raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar in New York's Greenwich 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 Village mm-hmm. and began hauling customers outside. Chaos quickly escalated as patrons resisted arrest and a growing crowd of bystanders threw bottles and coins at the officers. So it started um, not with bottles, but a lot of the police officers. So Stonewall Inn and a lot of the gay clubs were mafia owned or mob owned. And they would when the cops would come in to raid the joints, they would pay the cops off and move on. So whenever the cops were in there trying to clear out the bars people started throwing coins like here's your payoff get out of our face and then it like escalated fascinating Ah, uh, no so because of this new york's gay community fed up after years of harassment by authorities erupted in the neighborhood riots that went on for three days the uprising became a catalyst for emerging gay rights movements as organizations such as the gay liberation front and the gay activist alliance were formed modeled after civil rights movements and women's rights movements members held protests met with political leaders and interrupted public meetings to hold those leaders accountable a year after the stonewall riots the nation's first gay pride marches were held i have a real stupid question i don't know if you mentioned it what year are we in uh stonewall was in 1969 okay so 70 is when they had the first official or parades. parades. Do you know where the very first one was? I don't. I believe San Francisco. So in 2016, the area around the Stonewall End, which is still a popular night spot, was designated a national monument. So where did the term pride come from? It is credited to Brenda Howard, who is a bisexual New York activist named the, quote, Mother of Pride. And she organized the first pride parade to commemorate the one year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. So we all know the wonderful rainbow flag that has become a symbol for all members of the Alphabet Mafia. 
but where did it come from? So in 1978, artist and designer Gilbert Baker was commissioned by San Francisco City Supervisor Harvey Milk, who was one of the first openly gay elected officials in the United States, to make a flag for the city's upcoming Pride celebrations. Harvey Milk. There's a lot of good information on that man out there, too. I almost covered him. I thought you were about to say strawberries. No. <laughs> I was like, oh, or she would have like stumbled over it five times, increasingly getting louder until we're like, woman, are you stroking? <laughs> yeah. No, don't worry. You're already past the timeline of where I needed to be. Okay. So. so Baker, who was a prominent gay rights activist, gave a nod to the stripes of the American flag, but drew inspiration from the rainbow to reflect the many groups within the gay community. He was influenced by the flag of races which has five horizontal stripes, red, white, brown, yellow, and black, which was popular among the world peace and hippie movements of the 1960s. The rainbow flags commissioned by the Fledgling Pride Committee were produced by a team that included artist Lynn Sagerblom, who is known as the Fairy Argyle Rainbow. According to her, she created the original dyeing process for the flags. 30 volunteers hand-dyed and stitched the first two flags for the parade. The original flag design had eight stripes with a specific meaning assigned to each of the colors. They were hot pink for sex, red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for magic and art, indigo for serenity, and violet for spirit. I really like that. Did you not know that the flag colors actually signified? Well, I did, but it I don't know. I didn't know what they signified. I knew they all had significance, but why'd they drop the sex one, man? After the assassination of Harvey Milk on November 27, 1978, the demand for the rainbow flag greatly increased. In response, the Paramount Flag Company began selling a version using stock rainbow fabric with seven stripes, red, orange, yellow, green, turquoise, blue, and violet. As Baker ramped up production of his version of the flag, he too dropped the hot pink stripe because fabric in that color was not readily available. Got it. Makes sense. It was a manufacturing issue. Yes. Like you just couldn't do it easily. So we said, no, it's cool. We'll just keep the other ones. So in June of 2008, designer Daniel Quasar released a redesign incorporating elements from both the Philadelphia flag and the trans pride flag to bring focus on inclusion and progress within the community. While retaining the common six-stripe rainbow design as the base, the, called the progress flag, adds variation of a chevron along the hoist that features black, brown, light blue, pink, and white stripes to include the communities of marginalized people of color, trans individuals, and those living with HIV AIDS. I love that flag. The arrow points to the right to show forward movement while being along the left edge that shows that progress still needs to be made. Oh, well, that's freaking symbolic and I like it. Uh, yeah, so that's just a very, very brief overview of what Pride is and why we celebrate and why the rainbow is so amazing. Excellent. Bravo, ma'am. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you. Because otherwise I'll think I need to cut here. <laughs> <laughs> baby clap, baby claps. Now, something we will discuss in the Sage and Tales episode, uh, most people associate Stonewall with the beginning of the LGBT movement. Mm-hmm. It is a very pivotal moment and a very important milestone that helped push it further along but there's a lot more to it that happened in like the 40s and 50s oh for the LB- lgbtq movement yes, yes but this is just oh, the pride, pride yeah. celebration as far as pride celebration goes yeah stonewall is the turning point but um we'll talk about it in sage and tales but there's a great podcast that you're gonna have to wait until that episode to hear about <laughs> <laughs> that tells you all about it 
wow there's a great podcast that i'm promoing for free and have no connection to that you're gonna have to wait to find out about it's fine (laughs) it really is great i've binged it all eight seasons in a week it was great anyway um can i go next yeah because i have a feeling yours will be depressing because you told me what it might be okay so um i (laughs) (laughs) so we want this to be actually be a roller coaster hi hello hi (laughs) So my topic does get a little sad at the beginning, but it's fine. It it ends up okay. So in 1952, the first DSM was released. You know what the DSM is? The no shit. I didn't write it down. <laughs> it's the, Do you know what the DSM it's is? The Diagnostic Something Manual, where they have the list of all. Is that what the S stands for? <laughs> <laughs> the diagnostic something manual yes that is exactly what it stands for Hold it's up. where they've got the list of every um diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders yeah that one so that came out in 1952 for the first time and homosexuality was listed as a psychological disorder which it's not we know that now so it was a uh, female hysteria well i don't know if 1952 it was so since it was considered a mental health disorder there were treatments for homosexuality, including lobotomy, electroshock, um, hysterectomies for women, castration for men, estrogen and testosterone injections to try and boost your levels to get you to think like a normal person, quote unquote normal person. You just said estrogen and testosterone, and I'm trying really hard. Oh, to did I? <laughs> estrogen and testosterone. Estrogen and testosterone. Estrogen and testosterone. You said estrogen and testosterone and then estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it properly because I shouldn't have been doing it, okay? Fair enough. Now, insert into this Dr. Evelyn Hooker. Yeah, that's her name. I was like, <laughs> sorry, for some reason when I said Hooker, I was like, wait, what? No. Yeah, I know. Anyway. So Dr. Evelyn Hooker, I I debated covering her because she was an ally and not a member of the LGBTQ community, but she did amazing work and was very pivotal in the whole movement. So I, I just had to cover her. So she was born in 1907. She was the sixth of nine children. And as she grew up, she was kind of an outcast. She was nearly six feet tall, came from a poor family. She just kind of didn't fit in. But her mother, who only had a third grade education, reinforced in her, like, if you get an education, that's the one thing they can't take from you. So she got really into her studies and ended up a PhD with a PhD because, you know, she's Dr. Evelyn Hooker. Okay. Anyway, so after she got her bachelor's degree, she wanted to go to Yale, but the department chair refused to recommend, or the department chair at her current school, University of Colorado, refused to recommend a woman to his alma mater, which was Yale. Son of a bitch. So she completed her doctorate at Johns Hopkins University in 1932. She actually enjoyed that more than she thinks she would have enjoyed Yale because the people she was surrounded by and the environment she was in just kind of fit her personality. So in 19, from 1937 to 1938, she took a fellowship in Berlin for psych... Why are you looking at me like I know what your notes say? No, why does this word always throw me off? Psychiatry? Psychotherapy? Psychotherapy? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the little things, folks. (laughs) So what was going on in Berlin in 1937 and 38? A war. The rise of 
That too. Yeah. And she lived. That's been going on for a while though. Yeah. Well, yes. But when she went out there, she was living with a Jewish family and was watching what was going around uh going on around her i was watching an interview with her and she said that whenever the fear was coming they pulled everybody out of their houses and they were like you have to come to this what's it called not parade this where he comes out and talks a speech thank you god my <laughs> brain so you have to come out to the speech and anybody who didn't come out to be there was jailed that seems dramatic. Yeah. So she said she went out there with, I believe, somebody she was studying with. And they're up at the front and the Fiora comes out and everybody's hands come up automatically. And she said just that, like, being in that moment and surrounded by all those people and, you know, the whole, like, mob mentality. She said the girl she was with, her hand came up in the Nazi salute as well. And she, like, pulled her arm down and she's like, what are you doing? She was, I, I don't know. It just kind of happened. So she was, like, around to watch the rise of Hitler, living with a Jewish family, found out later that... Or was told later that the Jewish family she had stayed with had all perished in a concentration camp. Oh, jeez. And where was she from? Uh, she was from the States, but... Yeah, she was from the States, Nebraska. Nebraska. Hmm. Yeah. So that was not fun. Well, then she took a trip to the Soviet Union at the end of her fellowship, and yet another totalitarian regime was there. So she, she witnessed both Berlin and the Soviet Union, and she was grew up around oppressed people and then had these experiences and she attributes that to her fight for marginalized communities being so strong because she witnessed such horrors. So, okay, so she came back since she had been out in the Soviet Union. When she came back, she was suspected of of holding subversive political views. So she lost her position at Witter College as a teacher. Uh, she then appealed to her graduate mentor at Johns Hopkins, and then he was the chair of the department at UCLA, but he could only offer her a research associate position because there were currently three women in the department that were, quote, cordially disliked, and he could not appoint another woman. So she went to the UCLA Extension Division, and that's where she met Sam Fromm, who was a student of hers in introductory psychology course. Sam Fromm is very important. He was a gay man that she grew very close with and her husband and Sam Fromm and his partner they would take vacations together and they just grew very close there was a Thanksgiving was it a Thanksgiving trip yeah there was a Thanksgiving holiday to San Francisco where Sam Fromm told her it was quote it's your scientific duty to study people like us end quote Basically, he said that he wanted her to do some kind of study on gay men to prove that there was nothing wrong with gay men. Because at this point, if you were gay, openly gay, or if somebody found out you were gay, you could lose your job. You could be arrested in certain areas. Let's not even talk about those who dressed in women's clothing or even women who dressed in men's clothing. You keep using the past tense here. Well, so it's not technically illegal anymore to be gay in the United States. It's not illegal, but all of those things can still happen to people if they find out that they're gay. Oh, yeah. Losing your jobs and all that. Well, so now it still can, but there are laws in effect that prevent that. There are people get around that still, but there are laws in place, which some of that can be uh, attributed back to Dr. Evelyn Hooker. 
Hey, Evelyn. I really like her. She's a wonderful person. Okay. <laughs> so she was like, you know what? I can't, I can't research my, I don't want to treat my friends like some case study. Like, no, that's, I can't do it. And she said every time they would get together to hang out, he'd bring it back up. And he was like, come on, come on, please just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Why wasn't she just like, I am researching you. Why do you think I hang out with you so much? Now shut up and just be gay. (laughs) Let me see what happens. Let me write it down in my notebook. Right? (laughs) It's only science if you write it down. That's why Rebecca's friends with us. She's She's researching us. I'm totally not taking notes on my phone. Never. What do you think Discord is? (laughs) (laughs) My slip into madness. whole case study. (laughs) Oh, God. Dear future historian. Historian? Historian. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So after this, she went through a divorce and kind of put all of her studies on hold, went through a hard time. But she ended up remarrying in 1951 to an English professor, Edward Niles Hooker. And once she got remarried, she was like, you know what? I think I could do that. I've had some time to think on it. And you guys have a very unfair life. And I want to fix this. So there was the NIMH, which is the. Um, Am I going to have to Google this? Yeah, Google that real quick. For NIMH, National Institute for Mental, Mental Health. Can I have more context? Because it's bringing up the secret of NIM, <laughs> <laughs> which is based on an experiment on rats, which is not the same thing. NIMH grants, National Institute of Mental Health. Boom. Boom. You okay. don't need no Google. You okay. got me. I'll just cut it and make it sound like I'm not a total idiot. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so she said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to apply for a grant with the NIMH. And if they accept, I'll do this research. I don't even know what really I'm going to research yet, but I will do it. The chief of grants division, John Ephart, flew out to see her and spent an entire day just hanging out with her and was like, I'm curious. What are you going to do? So she's like, I really want to just. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, she's like, I want, I want to prove that there's no difference. I want to hang out with my gay best friends and get compensated for it. Uh huh. <laughs> That's an option. <laughs> 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 what am I doing? Rebecca's like, um, I've missed the call. You never mind. But what he told her was, given the climate of McCarthyism, where do you guys know what McCarthyism is? No. So there was a senator, I think John McCarthy, who was like going on a witch hunt for communists and anybody they disliked they claimed was a communist and they got legal action taken against them i don't know too much about mccarthyism just that um it was like a communist witch hunt and they got people who weren't actually communists of course they did get some communists too but you shouldn't be jailed for having different political ideology anyway so he was like okay so if you do this you know you're probably going to be investigated and they're gonna think you're you know a communist. A communist but she wasn't and it's all good now some federal officers um when they were discussing this project the study later referred to it as quote the fairy project she got the grant and did her study the study was she wanted 30 exclusively homosexual males and 30 exclusively heterosexual males all with roughly the same age, IQ scores, and education. And she was going to perform these stu- uh, these tests on them and then afterwards have professionals analyze the data to see if they can tell who was gay based on these like certain tests that they did. And I'll tell you the tests in a minute. So like a single blind 
with a controlled sample group. Yes. What she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just sitting here pictured like, did she put up like a picture of a scantily clad woman and then a scantily clad man and see which one gets their brainwaves going? No. So how are you going to find 30 openly homosexual males in the 1950s? Gay bar. Why did my brain go Craigslist? <laughs> Thing, in Rebecca. search of 30 20 to 50 something gay men <laughs> email me at dr hooker at gmail.com. oh my god i guess it was the 50s it would have been aol.com <laughs> but no gay bars were being raided at this point in time remember stonewall yeah. well they were being raided but that doesn't mean that they weren't still existing that's true but you you had to know where to go when it was very under the radar. Well, convenient that she has two gay best friends. True. But instead, she went to the Mattachine Society, which was one of the first gay rights organizations. Whenever I told you that like Stonewall is considered like the start of everything, the Mattachine Society and um, Daughters of Belitis are the two like big kickstarters for the LGBT community. Daughters of Belitis. That was the first like lesbian organization, which you can hear more about when Sage and Tales comes out and I tell you about that awesome podcast. But anyway, so she went to the Mattachine Society and obviously they were like, hey, we've got an abundance, a plethora of homosexual men. Take your pick. <laughs> but finding <laughs> dreams do come true. <laughs> we have a pl- plethora of the homosexuals. <laughs> Why does that sound like I'm selecting a cheese? Oh, I love cheese. And gay men. (laughs) I'm here for it. Okay, I'm sorry. You cheddar, think about it before you bring it out. (laughs) No, I want brie. She said nothing about brie. She said cheddar. Brie it out. Is that not Gouda? No. Are you feta up? I'm partying a good time. You're all monsters. <laughs> okay, now to find the heterosexual men. How did we go from gay men to cheese? <laughs> Two things Tiffany likes. <laughs> well, now we're going to the heterosexual men. Oh, lame. she was having difficulty finding thirty who would participate in this study because they were worried they might be called gay. Yes, because if they were associated with the study, people would think they were gay. And at this point in time, it's illegal. And you could lose your job, your family, your everything. Now imagine actually being gay. Right. So she didn't conduct the study on the UCLA campus because anybody going there was like, oh, what are you going to Dr. Hooker's for? Or, oh, what is, what's going on in here? So she did the study. Did the study? <laughs> she did the potato. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so she had to conduct the research or she chose to conduct the research at her house and her house was on Saltair Avenue and any person who was a laborer that walked up to her house like somebody who was doing yard work or somebody doing pool maintenance or even firemen and policemen or maintenance workers anybody who came walking down that road she would approach and be like I need you to do this study are you gay no <laughs> cool her husband said quote no man is safe on Saltair Avenue <laughs> But she was eventually able to. She said she originally went to labor unions and was like, I need 30 men for this study. (laughs) 30 straight men. And the labor unions wouldn't allow it because if their men were caught in this study, people might think they were gay and they'd have to let them go. go. I hate people. 
So she finally got her men and she gave them three tests. There was the Rorschach. 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 Ink blob. The ink blob test. The maps test, which is make a picture story test. Make a picture story test? It's really cool. So you are given this like picture of a setting like the one that I saw in the show I watched. It was just like a living room, but the door was open and you could see outside. And then you're given cutouts of people and you have to like put the people you have tons to choose from. So you pick some people, you put them in there and you have to make a story and tell what's going on in the story. So there was that test and then the thematic apperception test, the TAT. I don't know what that one was, but she gave them all 60 men the three tests. After scoring the test herself, she then gave the test protocols with all identifying information removed to experts on those tests. She had the inventor of the maps, Edward Schneidman, review it. She had Bruno Klopfer for the Warshock and Mortimer Meyer for the TAT. These were three men who were highly recognized and highly like sought after top of their fields and had them review the data. An adjustment rating was assigned to each participant based on test scores. So what they would do is they had a score of one through five. If the person scored one on their test, they were very well adjusted in life. They scored five, very poorly adjusted in life. Okay. And the theory was that all the gay men would, would score. Be poorly adjusted. Yes. So like three or higher. Yes. Then they were given paired Rorschach tests. So one from a gay participant, one from a straight, and asked to identify the homosexual. Two-thirds of the research participants in each group were judged as having average or better adjustment, and experts were unable to identify the gay participants' protocol from the matched pairs, more so than they would if you chose randomly. So they had no idea. Yep. No association between homosexuality and psychological maladjustment. One of the experts, he was positive he could identify the difference between the hetero and the homosexuals. So he was asked to have another chance to review the protocols, but was no more successful the second time than the first. Yeah, <laughs> you're basically like guessing in the blind. Yeah, there's a reason you don't redo multiple choice tests. Like your first guess is probably correct. If you didn't get it the first time, you you're have no not going to get it the second time. Yeah. So she... Hooker reported that one of the most exciting days of her life was the day she presented the results of her research at APA's 1956 annual convention in Chicago. This work led to the removal of homosexuality from the DSM and... It was 1973. It was December 15th of 1973 with a vote of 5,854 to 3,810. The APA, American Psychiatric Association, removed homosexuality from the DSM. Now, that was 73. This was 56 when she presented her research. But the research was what led to the removal of homosexuality. That took a hot minute. But thank God it happened. Yes. Whenever or she got an award in 1992 for distinguished contribution to psychology and the public interest from the APA. And whenever she received this award, she said she shared the award with gay and lesbian communities and expressed pleasure that her research and her, quote, long advocacy of a scientific view of homosexuality could make their lives and their lives of their families better. She closed her address by reading from a letter she had received from a gay man thanking her for her work and saying, Quote, I think you did it because you knew what love was when you saw it and you knew that gay love was like all other love. Dr. Hooker, amazing person. I was watching a video of her and at one point she was talking about things she used to teach before she started doing this research and she was like, you know, I was teaching stuff that 
was believed to be accurate. But looking back on it, like, no, I, I know that wasn't. And one thing that kept me moving while doing this research, she said that every year things that had previously been scientific facts were proven wrong and things regularly changed. So she didn't put any credence to the thinking that homosexuality was a mental disorder. She knew that was one of those things that was going to change. And she just fought for it because she knew it in her heart and She's an amazing woman, and I love her, and if she were still alive today, I'd hug her and tell her how much I love her. So, That's incredible. Yeah. It's Dr. Evelyn Hooker. Amazing. Oh, Evelyn Coco. Right? Evelyn Coco, man. That was her maiden name. We just failed to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I failed to mention a lot of things in my stories, so... What? <laughs> Don't be shocked. <laughs> Rebecca say, what? <laughs> I'm fine. Mm-hmm. That oh. was amazing. Also, same-sex marriage was legalized in the United States in 2015, and I bet that would have taken a lot longer without her help either, so... Kaboom. Kaboom. Your turn. Cool. (laughs) Next! So, mine actually ties into Ashley's. Ayo! So, we're in 1985 in San Francisco. Brown chicken, brown cow. What happened this year? Okay, just for the record, when I googled, you know, headlines for 1985, I got things like... The price of rent or the price of a house. And I got real sad. (laughs) Yeah. So instead, we're going to briefly talk about things that didn't make me sad that happened in 1985. The new Coke was introduced. I heard this didn't go well. Like (laughs) Coca-Cola? Yeah. Yeah, they had a new Coke. It was awful. And then they reintroduced the the old Coke. They had to put the cocaine back in it. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nintendo's first system, the NES, was released. Michael Jordan was rookie of the year, and the Unabomber killed its first victim. Oh, (laughs) Well, that's quite the spectrum. Wow. Yeah, so not all of that is good news. (laughs) I mean, I have a soft spot for Michael Jordan. Coke failed. Cool gaming system. Michael Jordan, Unabomber. So Michael Jordan and Nintendo. Yeah. Killing it in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, you're about oh. to say so with oh. Unabomber. <laughs> I mean, technically, real talk though, the 80s was really like popping with the serial killers. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> it was um, all the ones that didn't get caught in the 70s. So it was also this year that gay rights activist Cleve Jones had an idea. Whoa, Cleve, what you got, baby? Starting in 1978, Jones was responsible for organizing the yearly candlelight vigil for San Francisco Supervisor Harvey Milk and Mayor George Moscone, who were gay and were assassinated. Hey! Harvey Milk. During the 1985 march, he had learned that over 1,000 San Franciscans have died from AIDS. Jones decided to ask everyone who had lost someone to this disease to write their loved one's names on a placard. At the end of the march, those placards were taped to the side of the Francisco Federal Building. Looking at all the names together, Jones thought it looked like a patchwork quilt and then had an idea. A year later, so like 1986, because that's how time works, (laughs) unless you're Doctor Who. A year later, a group of people met in a San Francisco storefront to document the lives of the people they have lost. This was the start of the Names Project AIDS Memorial Quilt. Oh, oh, I love this already. Jones made the first panel in 1987 for his friend Marvin Feldman. It was also this year that Jones teamed up with Mike Smith, Ger McMullen, and others to formalize the Names Project Foundation. It was a hit immediately. Like, yeah. if this could have gone viral, this would have gone viral. Was the internet invented in 1986? It was invented, but it wasn't, like, publicly used. Wow. 
Thanks, Diff. Did not expect that. Here for you. Okay. So, could have gone viral, didn't, because it was 1985. The internet was still a baby. Um, a baby. Baby. A little fetus internet. So, people from all over the U.S., from Atlanta to New York to Los Angeles, started sending panels to the workshop. Donors started sending materials, including sewing machines and volunteering their time. During the National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, the quilt was displayed for the first time on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. on October 11, 1987. The quilt covered a space bigger than a football field, which was... How many haws? Point four. Yeah. That's a big ass quilt. Right? It It had 1,920 panels. Jesus. Which once I tell you how big the panels are, you will get real sad and then be amazed at how big this quilt is. Volunteers worked endlessly to unfold it and roughly half a million people saw it the first time. Included in the ceremony was a reading of the names of the people who were included in the quilt. My heart. So panels were hemmed to be exactly three by six feet, which represented the size of a grave. Oh. And sewn into 12 foot by 12 foot squares. Some panels were plain with black lettering. Others featured gold lame and rhinestones. They were comprised of a wide range of materials and include countless mementos. So people were not only making these panels, but they were also like sending tokens of Personal. their loved ones. Uh. Yeah. Oh my heart. The quilt was popular, so it immediately went on a four-month, 20-city national tour during the spring and summer of 1988. They raised nearly $500,000. Wow. More than 9,000 people volunteered, and panels were added in each city. By the end of the tour, the quilt had 6,000 panels. Holy moly. In 1988, the quilt returned to D.C. and was displayed on the ellipse in front of the White House. It had 8,288 panels. Throughout 1989, over 20 countries lost their own similar projects. And in 19, the same year, 1989, great writing, Rebecca, Cleve Jones, Mike Smith, and the Names Project Foundation were nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in recognition of the global impact of the quilt. In 1989, great writing again, Rebecca, the quilt went on its second North American tour. So this time, including Canada, this tour raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It had more than twelve thousand panels. Good, holy God! How big was it now? I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So HBO released our documentary film on the quilt, Common Threads: Stories from the Mm -hmm. Quilt, which brought the quilt's message to millions of moviegoers. The film won the Academy Award for Best Documentary of nineteen eighty nine. FYI, I don't know if you can watch it. But also, I didn't look. Okay, I'm looking it up. I was about to say, but I kind of want to find it. Right. By 1982, the AIDS Memorial Quilt included panels from every state and 28 countries. Whoa. In October 1992, the entire quilt returned to the National Mall in Washington, D.C. In January of 1993, the Names Project was invited to march in President Clinton's inaugural parade where over 200 volunteers carried quilt panels down pennsylvania avenue so this quilt has been around and it's been like regularly touring basically since its creation and people have been adding to it but in 2019 it was archived in the san francisco at the national aids memorial so panel making remains an important element of the quilt as new panels continue to be made to this day Today, the AIDS Memorial Quilt is an epic 54-ton tapestry that includes nearly 50,000 panels dedicated to more than 105 individuals. Oh. And if you Google it, they actually have a really cool website. I 
believe it's AIDSmemorial.org. I will have a link in the notes, but you can like go by state and view and sections of the, the quilt. Oh, oh my yeah. God. So they have it documented. Wow. This is amazing. I'm looking it up right now. I really liked it. I had a hard time actually finding a story for Pride because I'm like, how do I find something that I can quickly cover while staring an hour to other people, but also like give it its due diligence? Absolutely. No, that was fantastic. Oh, that's gorgeous. And then gorgeous. I found the quilt. <laughs> That is gorgeous and so heartwarming. Oh, that would make me cry. Good job making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare oh, you get? Oh, hold on. No, look. Holy for holies. There's a lot. Holy shnikes. When you go to the website, the itsmemorial.org, and you see the quilt, you're like, oh, that's really pretty. No, you're just seeing a section of it. You have to like scroll to see all. That is a ton. Holy crap. Today, um, we listened to Tiffany experience Look at the internet. Picture. It's public now. She can do that. Oh, and you can like zoom in and read the names and see the pic. Oh, gosh darn it. Oh, oh, this is, this is good, but sad. <laughs> On today's episode, we'll show your mom a sad picture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Oh, ah, e. <laughs> um, good job, ma'am. That was amazing. I want to go see too. it. I feel like that was a good way to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it was. And the uh, the AIDS pandemic of the 80s and 90s, mostly the 80s, it, it was intense. And yeah. I looked into a lot of that this month. We'll get into that later. But man, that one was killer. But I did not see the quilt. That's impressive. Yeah, I just happened to stumble across it because, again, I had a hard time finding a story where I had enough time to give it its due diligence. Yeah. yeah. And... Not just be like, oh, this happens. <laughs> I mean, you could have. Nobody would have judged you, but I like that I better. would have because when something like this important happens, you need to dedicate the time and research to do it For justice. For sure. That Agreed. was fantastic. And yes. I'm not saying that the quilt wasn't important. I'm just saying I could do a better job covering that than something else. Yeah. For sure. No, bravo. I'm impressed with that. And, and Tiffany's going to go sit in the bath and cry and look at the quilt. Probably. Ruler, look at this quilt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fascinating. Thank yes, you, ladies, thank for you. sharing. Yeah, thank you, guys. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. And just a, a quick, I forgot to mention this when I was doing mine. <laughs> um, she had a quilt, too. No. <laughs> the American Psychological Association had a fantastic article on Evelyn Hooker that had everything I had read elsewhere, like, all wrapped into one. And I kind of read along as I was going through. So, um, source cited. Thank you. You're welcome. I meant to do that earlier. but. And on that note, remember, friends, we are not professionals, but we have fun. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> please uh, don't use us as your sources. Please don't use uh, us. I got good feedback from him, so bite How me. How about you use our sources? As your sources. As yeah. your sources. Clarification. Use us as a starting point, like a Wikipedia page, and then go from there. The <laughs> ladies of Strange, the Wikipedia of podcast. We just gave ourselves our own review. Hey! On that note, remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on the at theladiesestrange.com. You can also just search for us on those social medias. We also have a Discord where you can just talk with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, link below. 
Or you can email topics to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, tell your friends about us or join us on Discord. Or like, rate, review, subscribe, that stuff. You're all amazing. I love you all. Happy Pride and keep it strange, lovelies. And gay! <laughs> what did what did they say at the renaissance festival ladies gaybies and thabies yes oh, i love it so much queers are here hey oh wow we need to go goodbye friends <laughs> <laughs>